Okay, Parshas Chukas and Balak in order to facilitate both Parshas. We're going to talk very quickly. <laughs> so, quick summary we have the beginning of the Parshas Chukas is Para Aduma, then the death of Miriam. And then there's no water, so they start complaining. We have the main Mariva, Moshe Benu hits the rock, Hashem declares he's going to have to die. Then they move on and they come towards Edom, Moshe Benu tries to introduce peace and he has to go through. They say no. They go away, they go to Harahar, Aaron Akayin dies over there. He gives over the Kuna to his son, Elazar. Then the Malachim, who seem like Canaanian, they change the language, they um, decide to attack the Jews because they say, hey, there's no more clouds of glory to protect them. And the Klai Yisrael, of course, wins them. Then there's a Shavisa Shavi, they go and they captured one person. Klai Yisrael makes a vow that whatever they get from this war is going to go to Hegdis, they're not going to touch any of it. And they win the war. Klaizel afterwards starts traveling, traveling, and they get very exhausted, and they're very upset, and they complain about the water and about the mun. And because they say Lashonara about the water and the mun, Akadosh Baruch goes and sends these snakes after them. And the snakes are biting them, people are dying. And Hashem tells Moshe Rabbeinu to make this copper snake. Everybody's going to look at it, whoever looks up at it. Normally you look at your adversary, you are weakened. And over here you look at your adversary, they got better. That shows us that it's not the looks. It's God that counts. Anyway, they go and they travel from there, a bunch of travelings, and they have this mysterious story of S and Vahev. S and Vahev. Two guys. You ever heard of S and Vahev? They were stragglers. They were behind the Machna because they said Lashonars, they were kicked out of Machna. And they report to Gleisel some wonderful news that uh, there's a river of water that's coming to Gleisel carrying a whole bunch of like blood and limbs and stuff because God crushed the guy and they were hiding out in caves. Klaisol sings a shira, a ziyashir Yisrael. Then Klaisol goes and attacks Sichoin. Uh, Melaka and Moiri, they wipe him out, they take over his lands. And then we have this Al-King, Yoimru HaMoishlim, Bayucheshboin, this lesson that teaches us how to beat our Yetzirah, beat our enemies, and that is by making a Cheshbon what you lose out of doing a mitzvah versus what you gain, what you lose out of doing an Avera versus what you gain. And then finally, the last piece of the parish is Oig Melech Habashan. Picks up the big mountain, six parts wide, tries to throw his own glycerol, the bugs make a donut hole, falls over his face, his teeth grow out into the mountain, he can't take it off, Moshe hits him, knocks him down, kills him. Okay, that's the Parashat Chukas, let's run into Parashat Balak very quickly. So, Balak, the king of Mayav, is terrified. He sees what Klaus is doing, they're literally licking up the entire midbar. Every nation they come across, they're wiping out. He's terrified. He reaches out to the sages of Midian. He reaches out to Bilam, the wicked Navi. And he says, come curse the Jews. And Hashem tells Bilam first no. And then they send more important officers, fancy guys, and a lot of money. And then he says, he says, okay, if you want to really go with them, go with them. He starts going, and Amalek comes and you know, blocks the road. The donkey strays, then the donkey bumps into a wall, then the donkey crushes his leg on the floor. He hits the donkey a bunch of times, and boom, the donkey starts talking. They have a nice little conversation. And after that, he meets Balak. He goes and he meets Balak. He tells Balak, build seven Mizbechos and seven cows and rams, one cow and ram for each Mizbech. And he tries to curse him, and it doesn't work. A blessing comes out instead. He then goes to another place called State Saifim, an overlooking place. And again, he says, let's build seven Mizbechos with seven rams and seven, go- seven uh, cows. And again, he goes into Nevoa and blessing Klai Yisrael. They don't have superstition. They don't have magic. There's no power of magic upon them. Okay, then they go to Pa'ar. That should be a, that should be a big... Uh, 
a big instigator against Klai Yisrael. They're going to fall to the Balpar eventually. So they go to Pa'ar, and he goes into Olivu again. And Ka'ari, Kalavi, Klai Yisrael gets up in the morning grabbing Talas, Tzitzis, Kriyashma. So Balak is pretty upset. He says, get out of here. Go back home. I hired you. I wanted to give you covenant wealth and everything. And garnished. And before he leaves, he says, let me give you an Eitzah. He gives him the Eitzah of getting the Yidin into Znus and then falling into the Balpa'ar. And then he tells a whole bunch of future things about the different nations and what's going to be when Mashiach comes. And the Eitzah takes effect. The, the women of Midian come in and they do Znus with Klai Yisrael and they fall into doing the Balpa'ar, Avayit Zara. And Hashem gets very upset. And then one guy comes up, Kazbi Basur and Zimri Ben Salu. He takes this uh, princess of the Goyesha nation, and he's going to do the activeness with her, and comes along Pinchas and saves the day. Okay, let's start. So we always speak about this, not a pleasant thing to think about, but some people have a minute to fast tomorrow on Erev Parshas Chukas, because there was a terrible decree once many, many years ago in Klai Yisrael, and they want to know why this thing happened. There was a terrible, terrible uh, svarim burning, and... And a paper came down from Shemayim with the Targum Unculus Da Gzeras Eraisa. It's a Gzeira of God, of Torah burning. Tons of manuscripts, thousands of manuscripts that there were only one copy of in the entire world. There are many Rishonim and Goinim we don't even know about because of this. And, um, and Da Gzeras Eraisa, just accept it. Some things which you have to accept, God knows what he's doing, and that's it. So this is the parsha of Chayk. Rashi says, Goyim trying to make fun of us in this week's parsha. Ha ha, what's this whole one weird thing? Paraduma, what are you guys doing? And Hashem says, it's Xera in Now, within the Xera is some aspect of fear. God's boss, he knows what he's doing, and we listen, period. You could tease us from today to tomorrow, we do it, and that's all. But within that also looks a tremendous love also. Just like you trust your beloved one, they don't need an explanation. A person's wife, a person's child, a person's parent who they love and respect says do something. It doesn't make sense. Just, just humor me. Just humor me. Please do it. You do it. Either out of fear or out of love. Zuckerberg, Bruvain, Feinstein, listen to this. You know, the Goyim are all proud of themselves. You know, who was one of the most famous Goyim that goes down in Jewish records? A great guy by the name of Dama Ben Nesina. He had the greatest keyboard of aim ever, right? The Chacham went to him to try to get a paraduma, right? And he turned it down because his father was sleeping, and then they wanted him to get the, to get the stones of the Chayshan and the keys. So that's their pride and joy. Dama Ben Nesina, who was willing to give up everything, so much money, for the sake of the most reasonable mitzvah. You ever think about it from the other angle? We were coming to him, willing to spend all our money for something that we don't even understand. How about that? So when they come to tease us and say, well, your stuff doesn't make sense, look how much sacrifice and love and respect. And that's what it says, in some way, chukim are more valuable than mishpatim. Because when you don't steal, maybe it's just your moral feelings. You don't want to hurt somebody. You don't want to shame somebody publicly. It doesn't show loyalty to God. Chukim, you don't eat pas of a chalav. Six hours apart, no can meet. I mean, come on, it doesn't make sense. That's right. That's where your loyalty shows. 
that's when you're covered, you're Yira, you're Havatakash Baruch who shows when somebody does something ridiculously, needlessly, uselessly, just because the other person says so, that shows a tremendous sense of loyalty. Okay. Um, the, the lesson of Paraduma, one of them is, and I, this, I, I've shared this with you in the past, that the difference between Tuma, the strongest form of Tuma, Tuma's may seventy Tuma, and Tahira is dependent on a Chutasaira. The difference between the two is a hair. If that cow has one black hair growing, it's a Paraduma. It could purify the most dense, thick, strong form of Tuma. Thomas Mace. And if it has one more here, <laughs> goodbye. The difference in Tuma and Tahira is a chut hasaira. One moment of a teenager seeing one thing wrong for the first time in his life could change the course of his life. That's the difference in Tuma and Tahira. But I like to stress also, we find that Chazal went out of their way to be Matami, the people involved in the Paraduma. And to make them into Tvulayim, you hear this? We're so careful with Tahira, with Paraduma, like you can't imagine the preparations that go into it to ensure absolute, complete, total purity from Tumas Vase. And then we go over to the Kayin, we bring him a dead rat, and we make him Tameh, and then we send him to the Mikvah, so he's a Tvulayim awaiting his full state of Tahira till the evening, and the Avaidah of the Paraduma is done with Tvulayim. Just to spite the apikarsan, the reform, the tzedaikim, who they claim it has to be with pure tahira, you can't have a tuliyayim. We go out of our way to use a tuliyayim in it to show that it's okay. Similar to what we do with ketziwa sa'imer. We make this whole big deal to go against them. And I like to say that Monsieur Tzacharim differentiates that tahira is purity. Purity means that you're, doing, you're eating, not for the sake of, because it's delicious peppers, you're eating because uh, it's healthy. You need to eat. God wants you to live. That's Tahira. When you're doing things in this world pure of self-interest, that's purity. But that's a hair's breadth away of doing things absolutely for the most physical base reasons of the world. But there's a next step above that, and that is you put and invest positive energy into what you're doing. I am eating tonight so I can listen to a share. Boom! You just elevated that food. In every physical thing you could do, you could do it pure of any bad interest, but then there's a whole new level of Kedusha. Kedusha is not Tahira. Kedusha is much higher. You could sit down to a meal without any self-interest. You're eating because Hashem wants you to eat just to be healthy, whatever it is. And that's beautiful. There's nothing wrong with that. No desire, no self, nothing. You're just eating because you, you got to eat three meals a day, whatever it is. And then a guy goes and he eats for the sake of a mitzvah, right? We wouldn't be able to have a popper here with didn't serve poppers. So those poppers now become a Sudha's mitzvah, right? Wow, you're elevating the food. That's Kedushan. That's, that really pushes you past that very, very dangerous Chut border with Tumah. So yeah, you could just be on the other side of the line, but you're very close to falling. But what you got to do is invest positive energy, invest spirituality, invest kedusha into things, and that will really get you to where you got to go. Okay, just a few tidbits about Paraduma very quickly. So, number one, there were ten Paradumas ever. Moshe Bainu made one. Ezra Sefer made one. Seven throughout the Batein Migdash until the Korban. So far we got nine. When's the last one coming? Mashiach. Just ten of them, that's it. Okay, two black hairs, we say, make it into a non-aduma para. 
Two black ears. But it has to be two black ears that are growing in the same place. It could have 15 black ears. One knee, one knee, one toe, one toe, another on the nose back here. As long as they're spread out. It's only two black ears that are next to each other. The Rambam says, what happens if it's got a lot of black ears? But they're very short. So short that if you use a scissor, you'd miss it. That's not called a hair. You could have hundreds of those, and you're good to go. Now, if it grew long and then you cut it, that doesn't count. But if all that grew is just very, very short, you're good to go. Some learn from this Rambam the size of pace. That what you can't catch with scissors is too short. That's what we always say when you go to get a haircut. Tell the barber, scissors around the ear. Because as long as you're using scissors, you know you're good. But a scissor can't, if it's too short for a scissor, then we got a problem. Okay, so that's a, that's a Raman. Another thing is the stick. You have to use eight arrows. It's be a tefach. The thread, the red thread. Is you take a red thread. That red thread, five shekels worth of wool went into that thread. I know exactly how much. It's not a pound, but it's a sizable amount of wool. It's not like, you know, just a little tiny string. Okay, and you tie them together and you throw it in. Now like that, you know when you throw it in, you have to throw it into the paraduma, which means that you either slice or wait for the stomach of the paraduma to explode naturally in the fire. And when it opens, you're supposed to try to aim to try to get it into the hole, into the paraduma. If you miss, it's still kosher. But like a meal, you're supposed to throw it into it. After it burns, you wait till it burns and burns and burns until everything is dry, completely, completely dry down and black. And anything that's black, which there's tons of wood, and that's why everybody, how can it's just 10 paradumas for all these years? They would build up a tower, a log cabin, like you make campfires, log cabins, tons and tons of logs, and they put the part on top of it. All those logs become part of that big ashes of the paraduma. So you could have a lot of ashes. Whatever breaks when you smash it into ash, that's part of the ashes of the paraduma. Okay, weiter. So... It, then the Pasuk speaks about Tumas Mace, and we have the famous Pasuk that says, Pasuk Yudalid, Zoisa Torah. This is the Torah. This is the law. Adam Ki when a person dies in the tent, that this is how you get Torah. When you die in the tents of Torah. When you're Mace Nefesh, self sacrifice. Ain't Adam Kaina Torah. Ella, or excuse me, or in a Adam. Ella! Someone who kills himself for the Torah. If you die for Torah, you get it. Well, what's the point? I'm dead already. Okay, so what does it mean, die for Torah? We spoke about it in the past of Chazanish that says if you give up certain parts of your life for Torah, that's called dying for Torah. You give up some of your social life for Torah. You give up some of your nightlife for Torah. You give up some of your... There's many different facets to life. And when you sacrifice part of that life energy for the sake of learning, instead, that's called giving up your life for Torah. I'd like to make a, my own little shout a little suggestion. Oh, you're not going to be here Friday nights. I can say it again Friday night too. Here, listen to this. It says, Adam ki yomus ba'oyel. First of all, why say ba'oyel? Devanazer, why say ba'oyel? What about a bias? Right? Why oil? Okay, so well, they were in they were in camps and tents then, so maybe it's too close. Well, at that point, we're in tents. Also, why say Adam? We learned from here that a guy is not matame, but too much oil. A dead corpse of a guy is only matame if you touch it, but it doesn't attract tumma all under the rooftop. Okay, there's no tumma oil, only if you touch it. So, the word Adam, though, usually refers to somebody not so chashev, just a Jew. A guy is not called Adam, but a Jew. 
If you want to talk about something harsh, I would expect if you're talking about a guy whose name is Atzmaelel, a guy who's killing himself a Torah, we should say Ish, not Adam. So I'd like to suggest that maybe the parish is giving us another way to be mice and nefesh for Torah, even if you're not in such a major high madriga, to be giving up, you know, who knows what from your life. As long as you're giving things up to show that you're just b'oyel, that this life is temporary, and the real important thing is Torah. That might not be the most full way to fulfill the Adam Kiyamas b'oyel, but if you kill yourself, meaning, let's say you come to base measures and there was no air conditioning. Ah, forget it. I'm leaving. Going to get myself some ice cream. Well, you know something? What's important is not so much the perfect comfort right now. You know, I'm not saying if it's sweltering crazy out, okay? But the point is, when you, when you show that you're Baal, that this world is temporary, and the Torah is what's permanent and what really means something, anytime you sacrifice something from your permanence to make it Baal for the sake of Torah, that also is considered giving up some of your life for Torah. Okay, let's go further. So, um, 38 years go by in the Midbar, nothing happens pretty much. Everybody's sitting peaceful, nice, cola life. That's what the Evan Ezra points out in Pasig Aleph. And then Miriam dies. It says twice. She died there and she got buried there. Chazal tell us she died and got buried. Those days you died. I shouldn't say you died. A person died and took time. Yeah, maybe they embalmed them like with Yaakov for a whole month or other things. Yeah, people cried. It was all saying, Aaron, Moshe, there was a veilus. Nothing here. She died. She was buried. Shab, boom. Instant. And the Mepharshim say the Kliyaka says it was a tiny on Klaeson. They didn't show proper respect. Where was all the tears? Why weren't they crying? And that's why they lost the water. That's why they lost the water. Because the truth is the water came back in the schos of Moshe. Moshe was enough to cover the mud, the clouds, everything. And they were going to return in the schos of Moshe. The water was going to come back. But there was a gap. Why was there a gap time for Klaeson to get desperate and complain and Moshe hit the rock and all of these problems to happen? That gap was to realize where your water came from. Until now, you're right, Moshe could do the water. But your water until now was coming from Miriam. If you didn't realize how chashim and important and wonderful Miriam was, that you didn't cry for her, now you'll cry because you're going to be dying of thirst. And now you recognize how much Miriam was worth to you. What's pshat that it did come in the schos of Miriam? Two pshatim. One pshat is Since way back in Egypt, she was one of the midwives where she was giving life. Not only did she not kill the babies, she gave life to the babies. So therefore she became the source of life. Water is the source. She became the source of life of Klaeson the midwife. One pshat. Second pshat, Rabbein Rechaya says, because she waited for Moshe by the water. Oh, this brings us to the next point. This whole fight, this is the only place in the Torah where it says a fight by Yarev, a Mariva, May Mariva, Shumana, Moirim. This word Mariva of a fight, of a dispute, only comes up with water. It comes up with Yitzchak in the wells. It comes up over here. Says the Kliakar. Why? Because day two is when God divided between the upper waters and the lower waters. The Gemara says someone who's born on Monday becomes somewhat of an argumentative person. My father told that to me for many years. <laughs> you, become, you become a person because machlekes comes from water. And that's why this whole event, and specifically on Moshe. Why with Moshe? Because he was drawn for the water. His whole name, his whole, his whole essence was about Kimin Mishisu. So that's about the water. Okay. 
So Moshe Rabbeinu says he fell on his face. The Kedusha Levi says, what's this with falling on faces? Why by Tachlan do we fall on his face? Somebody just asked me, why we do? Oh, I took Shmuel for the first time to Shachras during the week. My son, he says, why is everybody going on the face? Was it, was it, was it for Shachras? It was for Mincha by an Ashkenazu, I remember. Anyway, why is everybody going on the face? What are they doing? What's Tachim Shach? Kedusha Levi says an unbelievable thing. He says, you know why Moshe and I went on the face over here? It wasn't out of upsetness. It wasn't out of years. What was it? It was davening. Now, Moshe Rabbeinu knew that he could provide water. You know? that's, that's, he knew that. When you know that God's in control, and you know everything's going to work out, and you know Akol Beseder, you can't really daven. What are you davening for? Hashem, please! But you're supposed to daven. So he says, that's the Indian of Nefilah's opinion. It's almost like Moshe Rabbeinu's punim, connected punim with Hashem. There's such clarity. There's such a sense of security. There was nothing really for Moshe ever really to daven for. Especially in this case where he knew the water was going to come. God's not going to drop the Jews in the midbar. He's going to provide them water. His chos, whoever's chos. Hashem's going to provide water. So it was like a joke almost to daven. He had to cover his face as if like there's no clarity. He had to like forget the fact that he knows that God's going to do it anyway. And that, you know, he had to forget that temporarily to really cry out and daven to Hashem. So then it's a mirage. Then, then mirage. The water was gone. The water was gone. So someone who has full moon up, he's not really worried. You know, even if he dives, it's, it's not a heartfelt prayer. What's the falling on the face? In order to have a heartfelt prayer. This is what the Colonel Drucker said when they get to the, to the angels that watched the Akedah and they cried. It says Hashem opened up the heavens and they cried. And Rashiva says, why did Hashem have to open the heavens? They can't see without Hashem opening the heavens. It's like a mechitza, you know. Why, why couldn't they see that gate without opening? The Rashiva said, because from a heavenly view, Akedah's Yitzchak was the most wonderful thing in the world. There'd be nothing to cry about. Let him kill him. The father slaughtering his son for the sake of God. Wow. They'd be dancing in heavens. They wouldn't stop him. <laughs> Hashem gave them an earthly view. Like a human view of what was going on. Oh, stop, 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 don't kill him. God didn't actually say that. To kill him, just put him out of his bag. That's it. So Zayzak the Kedush has Levi over here that Moshe Rabbeinu puts his head down. Kivayocha like to, to block out the unbelievable clarity of a moon I've been talking about yet. In order to be able to daven good. Okay, we gotta go quickly. It's a lot to cover. Okay, Kashbarku said we did Baratem speak to the rack. So he has Kashboinus in that. Bottom line is, why wasn't that a bit of say? God said speak. He didn't speak. He also had hit. Right? Okay, according to one manager, he spoke. He spoke to the wrong rack. And then he, he hit the wrong one, then he hit the right one. A whole, whole uh, Mishkabal. But in the Pashup Shad, he didn't speak. He just had, how did he not speak? I'd like to suggest this is a drush, this is not Pshat. And that is the same way that the, the nowadays Mechan can tell us. Yeah? Don't slap a kid! Shleim Avolba says, sometimes words are a slap too. So when the Vilna Goyen says, don't hold back from slapping, <laughs> sometimes using the right word is a good slap also. <laughs> That's also a slap. You have to know how to say it. I was just by a base Avel, by Rebbe Fal Yavna, and he told me that as a little kid once, his father caught him on a lie. Caught him on a lie. And his father told him, he says, I never thought you could lie. You were so reliable and trusted. I, it, it changes my whole. 
He said that went into his heart for years. He was so careful to like regain that trust. Never ever to deviate even the slightest from the truth. That works 10 times better than a big hit. Perhaps we could say the same thing over here. Moshe was the other way around. When Hashem said, speak to the rock. Speak to the rock. He could use sign language too. That's also speaking to the rock. It's a harsh form of speech where you're expecting the person to follow. Okay. Um, the Chidot says the Moshe Rabbeinu was punished. Chazal says Moshe Rabbeinu was punished because he called the Jews Mayrim, strayers, argumentative people. And because he called them that, God says, I never told you to tell that to them. They had somewhat of a right to complain. They're thirsty, you know, and they need water. And you call them Mayrim? You call them people that are straying, betraying, arguing? And because you did that, the Chidah says you have to be so careful when a person darshans Musr to Klai Yisrael, never to put them down. Give Musr, but don't put them down. Don't call them names. Don't label them. Such a dangerous thing to do. And Moshe Rabbeinu got punished because of that. The Pasuk says Moshe Rabbeinu was punished. You did not believe in me to sanctify me Israel. And what was that? If you would have spoken to the rock, Klaiswell would have learned a tremendous lesson to listen when you're spoken to. Somebody gives you Musr, listen. Don't wait for Petch. When God gives Musr, he sends a Navi, listen. Don't wait for the punishment to happen. Just listen. And Klaiswell lacked. They lost out on that lesson. Now, why did Moshe Rabbeinu do that? Because he knew they wouldn't listen. Can you imagine if Moshe Rabbeinu teaches them this lesson? And for all time, they fail. It's the same reason why Aaron took part in the Egel. Because he said, if I don't take part in it, they just do it on their own. God's going to write them out. At least now, I'll take part of the blame. So Moshe Rabbeinu was saying, I'm taking part of the blame. I'm not going to teach them the lesson of listening to words. I'll teach them the lesson of listening to Petch. So that when they don't listen to another, it shouldn't look so bad. And Hashem's tiny name was, you have too low expectations. If you would have seen the potential of Glycel, that they will learn their lesson, from words, they'll live up to it. Very often, a child, a student, they, they, they live according to your expectations. I know a kid who tried drugs once. And I asked him, you know, what made him try? He said, because his rabbi said, his rabbi accused him that he does drugs. He says, oh, you're already accusing me. He said, may as well try it. He's living up or down to his rabbi's expectations. So, <laughs> the Taina Moshe Rabbeinu was, if you would have done the lesson properly and believed in Klal Yisrael's Maila, that yes, they could live up to that expectation, that would have been so much greater Kiddush Hashem, and that was a lack of Amunah, because I'll say when a person comes to Kas, Kas also comes from a lack of Amunah. Where do people get enraged from? Where do people lose their top? Where does Kas come from? Because you don't have a sense of security that God's in control and everything's going to work out. You feel anxious, you feel nervous. If I don't blow up and do something, your body goes into primitive mode <laughs> and, you, and, and, and uh, because you don't realize that you're just in the passenger seat. So, Kas, Ba'abalachal class, forgets his Torah, and the Pasuk calls this a lack of him. Zog, the Pashavite, we go to Harahar, was one of the three mountains that were left over wherever Klai Israel walked. They knocked down every single mountain. Three mountains survived Klai Israel. Harsinai, Harahar, Harahanavai, Ramosha Benu. Otherwise, any place Klai Israel went, flattened all the mountains. Ha, huh, okay. Klai Israel davens against this nation that was costumed over there. They, they changed their, they changed their language 
but they couldn't change their dress. I don't know why. Amalek stayed Amalekim in the way they dressed. They changed the language of Canaan. They thought they were going to fool the Jews. And the Jews just davened, Oh, Mazah, save me from this nation, whatever nation it is. We see from here, what difference does it make? Let's say Clag, so we said, Hashem, the Canaanim are attacking us, save us. Their tefillahs wouldn't have worked. But doesn't God get the point? Like, you're being threatened. And you see from here, tefillah has a mechanism, just like science. Just like science. You're right, God could do anything. He could do a miracle without you praying too. But to use the schus of prayer is also using the mechanism of prayer. You've got to say the right words. If a guy says to Hashem, save me from the flu, it doesn't mean he's going to be saved from corona. If you say, Hashem, save me from all illness. There you go. And that's what Klaisol did. They were confused, so they said, save me min ha'am hazeh. From this nation. I like to suggest what's Takapshat in this. Why did the Amalekim not think that Yidin could do that? Tertis Goyim worked with Ashkacha Klolis, Yidin worked with Ashkacha Pratis. So for a guy, they figured if you don't tell God exactly what you want, he's going to miss the boat. Because he doesn't get into the details. So as long as we fool you and you don't know who we are, if you give a vague prayer, save me from this nation. What nation? You know, God's not, God doesn't know what you're talking about. But we know that Ibishtaz. We could say this nation. Hashem knows which nation. That's Hashkacha Pratis. That works. Okay. Klaisel goes and they complain. Ain lechem. And ain mayim. Kiyam lechem. And then they were cuts. Pazakei. They're all complaining. Ki ain lechem. Ain mayim. And I've seen cuts of lechem. And we're disgusted by this bread that's going to destroy our bodies. Sokhav Shabbosful Hirsch. You want to say you want fruit punch? Okay. You want to say you want meat like Lysol did when they asked for, the, for meat? Okay. But to say there's no water, there's no bread? What are you talking about? They had water. They had lechem. What are you talking about? Nafshe cuts. Nafshenu cuts are disgusted. Any flavor? Like, what in the world? No pain. No pleasure. If you don't have any sacrifice of something, you just get freebies. This is what the Zayar says, why we are challenged throughout our lives. Why does Hashem put us here? Why does Hashem just give out Ganadin? Come on, Lord. You're such a good, nice Kishmaka kid. I'm just going to give you Elam Abba. Come. Come straight to Here's tons of candy. Straight to Elam Abba. You too, Ava. Straight to Elam Abba. You won't enjoy it. Not only will you won't enjoy it, it'll be Nafshenu it'll be Nafshenu Katsa. You'll be disgusted by it to the extent that you, you'll be blind to it, that you even have it. What? We don't have water. If you don't put any effort into something, you literally lack all of its value. It's the effort that we put in that lets us appreciate it and love it. And this is, applies all around with so many different things, different things in life. Now, our Kodesh Baruch could have made us enjoy freebies too. That's a... a, a Wow, it's late. Can't get to it right now. But he says, because then you're not compared to Hashem. God gives, and you're just taking. So Hashem gives you the opportunity to give yourself by earning it. Okay, but uh, a drop more quickly. Uh, a little bit of Balak. Okay, there's like a lot more to do on Kukas, but a job of Balak. Ready? Just a quick, unbelievable, awesome Kliyaka. The Kliyaka makes a whole bunch of the you can write in the beginning of the parasha. It says, Four different names for Klaiso. Yisrael, Ha'am, B'nai Yisrael, Ha'kol. Says the Kliyaka, beautiful. Balak 
He was the king. He had a book of records. He had a book of history. He knew everything that went on in past history as well. See, he knew Kol Asher Yisrael, Yaakov Avinu, to the Amori, Bechari, Bechashti, with the power of Tefillah. So he knows what Yaakov did. That's Yisrael. Dayagar Mayav, but the rest of the people that didn't have the history books, they were just scared of what they saw. What did they see? They saw the Erevrav, Ha'am. Ha'am refers to the Erevrav. The Erevrav were called the Erevrav because they were double the size of Christ. So 600,000 Jews, 1.2 million Erevrav. Kiravhu. There's so many. That's what they were scared of. They're just going to like trample us and walk right through us. They were like a thorn in the eyes of the Bnei Yisrael. on the high Madriga, they hate the Goyim that are Rishoyim and sinners. And they felt it. They noticed it. They felt it. Oh, we're like thorns in their backs. They're going to get rid of us. And who's the Shar? Yosef Tzadik. What was Yosef? Kahalu, Kahal Goyim. Yosef Tzadik was called a double nation because he had a nation of Ryan. That's Kahal. Yosef is the one that's going to come and avenge us and wipe us out. He was scared of all four of these things, and that's why he spoke to, to uh, Bilam to get rid of them. There's so much here. Just one, one last thing as we go into Mayrev. When did this story take place? Bill, I'm cursing the Jews. When was it? When? Time of year. Says Rav Yonis and Ivershitz. You ready? This was right before Rosh Hashanah. This was in El time. And that's why he says, Because he knew like this. Kazal tell us that if you judge yourselves, if there's Mishpat down here, Hashem doesn't have to do Mishpat up in Shemayim. He can do Rachman. If we judge ourselves... Hashem could do Rachman. Bilham knew once he comes to Rosh Hashanah and Klaisos judging themselves, there's no way that he could get a time of anger from Hashem. Hashem's not going to get angry. Correct? Because Midas Hadin is only if we're not doing Din. If we're doing Din down here, God's doing Rachman. He's not going to get angry. I can't curse the Jews. So Vayokam, he got up, it was Erev Rosh Hashanah. Vayokam, he got up in the morning, comes along the Malach and tries to cause a traffic jam. Uh, you're not getting there till Rosh Hashanah. Bilam got upset at his donkey because he thought it was the donkey's fault. A whole lot of Shabbat and I was just, he learns that he thought the donkey was trying to be Tevea him to have a relationship because every time he tried to draw Tumor upon him, that's what he used to do. And so he hit the donkey. But anyway, everybody says a lot more to say, but not enough time to say it. Well, we need to try to